Hey, this is Erica. Welcome to episode four. I am really excited to share this episode with you. I think it's a really important conversation. Uh, it's with one of my former students named Aaron, who was one of my very first students back my first year of teaching. And honestly, I just think we don't listen to student voice enough. And he's 10 years removed from high school at this point, but he has so many insights about his experience and what it was really like for him. And a lot of that I can't know from the teacher's perspective. So the amount of vulnerability and honesty that he was able to give here and the amount of insights that he has about his own experience and the experience of his peers is just so valuable. So I hope you really listen and consider your experience and please enjoy. I think that one, nobody talks about, talks to students or about student experiences enough. Like, you know, I feel like in general, it's just like, oh, they're kids or whatever, you know, like their voices don't matter. And obviously you're not a kid anymore, (laughs) but I think you have a lot of insight into like what your experience was. Obviously everyone has insight into their own experience, but like, I don't know. I feel like you, you see the bigger picture. I feel like you did then too. (laughs) Um, to an extent I was, I was thinking about this a bit recently that like, I feel like a lot of the kids that end up getting kind of like pushed out or labeled or whatever, a lot of the times they're just like telling the truth about how stuff is messed up. But like the adults are like, no, you can't say that I'm in control. And so I'm going to punish you for telling the truth because it makes me look bad or something. Yeah. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's really messed up. And I don't know. Do you feel like that's true about you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I don't understand, like literally like so many people, again, I, I admit with like, when I when I brought up like, oh, it's like, then you don't understand how stuff like that isn't important and then you grow later and you see that. Mm-hmm. But then at the time, it was a lot of stuff where I was like, this is stupid, it doesn't make sense. Why are y'all doing that? Yeah. And then they're just like, no, this does make sense. And when you get out in the real world, you're gonna understand it. I turned 30 in March. It still was stupid. It doesn't make (laughs) sense. I don't understand it. Like, it was so much that was enforced, and it was just like, oh, my, I I just, I I, I really, I don't know. I I really don't. But, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Was your your elementary, middle school experience better? Um, Yeah, because we had rules. Like, we had a lot of rules. I went to Robert A. Black uh, Magnet School. So um, we wore a uniform, black and white, black pants, white shirt, um, and black black uh, shoes. And they had to be all black, too. I don't think you could have, like, any white in them or anything like that, just mm-hmm. like UCW. But it was never, like, policed. Nobody enforced us like a military presence to where it was like, is that a little bit of white on your shoe? What the hell are you doing with a little bit of white? This boy has a little bit of like, that's literally how they would like escalate it to like, they just made a drug bust or something every day. And I'm like, 
are you serious? And then they would just demean you. And you know you shouldn't do that. You know you're not going to be able to go to class. This is ridiculous. It's a little bit away. You know what I mean? Yeah, they knew better. Yeah, they probably were trying to test it a little bit. But is it really that much of a, a issue to make that big of a deal? It just... I just yeah. didn't understand that. But at Robert A. Black, no. Like, we wore our uniforms. I didn't get detention. I got detention for the first time in seventh or eighth grade. And I went there from kindergarten. So from kindergarten to seventh grade, I never got in trouble besides, like, a write-up. Mm-hmm. And even for write-ups, it was just, like, talking in class or something like that. It was kind of just, like, almost like an expectation. And we had kids from all walks of life, like, there wasn't like, oh, all the kids here had money or anything. We had lots of poor kids. We had a few kids that were like middle class and things like that, too. Um, we even had like, a, 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 I forget what his name was on the show, but one of the kids was actually um, a child star on The Wire, literally while he was attending my school oh, at wow. the time, uh, Maestro. Huh. I forget what his name was on the show, though. Um, but yeah, so like we had kids from everywhere. And it was just an expectation of just like, nobody ever said the thing of just like black excellence or anything like that, but that was kind of just the expectations there. When I came there in kindergarten, everybody just knew like we had like, maybe like 10, 15% of our kids would get into like Whitney Young. And then you would get into like Walter Payton, like all the top schools. And it was just like, when you come here, you know what I mean? Even if you don't have a gift already, you're going to learn so that you're able, uh, capable, you know, uh, enough to keep up with the gifted kids and things like that. You know what I mean? You may have to work a little bit harder, but you're going to be able to keep up with the work and the things that they have. And slowly but surely, as I uh, grew, I saw that kind of standard diminish a little bit. You know what I mean? It wasn't the same. But by the time I got to seventh grade, it was kind of like, you know, it changed a little bit, but still. Regardless, it was like, we didn't fight. Fighting was like, oh my God, what? You know what I mean? Anything like that, it was just those expectations. And they treated us with respect and everything like that. So when I came to UCW and it was just like a policing environment, it was kind of just like, what the hell? But I me, it wasn't so hard freshman year for me because I already came where it was just the expectation of you already kind of conformed to what the rules are. So there's no real reason to bend it or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it got to the point where I honestly can say that staff pushed you to want to, you know, kind of push back and things like that. Um, I don't know. A lot of staff were kind of just really antagonistic and just in your face and aggressive. And it was just it, it, thinking back to it, it's, it's really ridiculous. Like, I was 14 years old, you know what I mean? Like, why are you arguing with me? Why are you going back and forth and, and debating or anything like that? Like, if it's an issue, you know, handle it through the proper channels. If not, then, you know, mitigate, you know, uh, try to yeah. mediate some of the situation. But I, I, I really, oh my God, I don't know, like, yeah, I honestly have too many stories, so I, I, <laughs> I have to frame it into like, okay, inappropriate teachers or just like <laughs> arguing or just like whatever, whatever. Like, oh my God. I yeah. know. I know. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much in that first year, at least, was like there weren't necessarily proper channels because it was 
brand new school and nothing was figured like the school wasn't even ready for us on the first day of school. I don't understand how that was allowed. Like who oversaw and just was like, this is okay. You guys are ready to open. Like, let's do this. Walk over these boards. It's fine. All these open abandoned classrooms with nails protruding, wood sticking out, no supervision. The entire just blank third floor where kids can go do whatever they want. That's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, like, I don't even know if you teachers know, like, that was like a known thing, like, among students, like, go upstairs if you want to do drugs or have sex or something like that on the third floor at 14, 15, like, that was known Mm. to go up there and go do that. Like, what? And nobody ever got caught or in trouble for it or anything like that. Like, everybody was going up there. I was getting two shoes. Like, I didn't do anything. Like, I promise (laughs) you. At 14, 15, I didn't do anything yet. You know what I mean? Like, that school was honestly what corrupted me and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, like, that's how stuff like that came out. People started finding things out like that. Um, It got to the point where we literally had to kind of become our own protection. There was no protection after school for us. So, literally, it got to the point. That's how I became friends with, like, uh, and stuff like that. It literally was like, okay, well... They're cool with us, you know what I mean? They don't think we're goofy or lame or anything. Me specifically, they, they're cool with me walking with them. So I'm going to walk with them in a big group because I know if something happens, I got people that aren't scared to fight, you know what I mean, to actually get me safely to go home. I don't know them. I didn't grow up in Cranktown or Drow City or anything, which, yeah. again, people just like you all had to kind of learn and figure out about that. I'm from 81st and Bennett, not 63rd University. I don't know anything about any of that. And like I said, I went to a magnet school. Fights were a big deal in my school. So for me to come from one or two fights a year to people literally waiting inside our, our school zone to fight us, it was like, what the, what the fuck am I supposed to, you know, I'm sorry to curse, but like literally like, what am I supposed to do? I literally, it literally was just like almost the same example of like when people tell you like, okay, when you get to jail, you have to fight, you have to man up, you have to be strong. You can't, you can't act scary or anything like that. Literally, it was the exact same kind of like training almost <sighs> at 14 going into my school, literally. So, And it was I because swear- the school put a target on your back with the laptops, right? And the uniforms and also requiring, I think I I was told that it was a requirement that like at least 25% of the students were from the neighborhood. I don't know if it was a requirement or that's just what actually happened. But I always tell people outside, like my best explanation of UCW is, I tell them about the laptops and the uniform, but the big insult to injury is, okay, yeah, my big cousin, my big brother that's 18 isn't going to rob me but they don't know all the other kids that go to that school. So if I come home and with the laptop and stuff like that, and I literally live two blocks away from the school and I tell my big brother, all his friends are over there and they're already selling weed and stealing and doing stuff like that. Yeah. I'm going to rob your little friends, your little classmates. Of course I am. Mm-hmm. So that was a whole nother side that nobody ever thought of then, but it's just like, again, I'm still not even 30 years old. People that are older than me now should have thought about this back then before 
any of that. Like that literally was happening. I don't, you probably don't remember, but there was this one kid named, his brother was one of the people robbing us, his brother and all his friends. And then if you brought it up or said anything, you became even bigger target where they would jump you after school and stuff like that. We couldn't come to teachers and tell y'all stuff like that. Yeah. But I believe it was, it was the very first kid to get robbed for his laptop. Freshman, it, he got robbed. I believe that we made it all the way into October. I believe it was like October, like 16th, somewhere around there. We made it all the way to like middle of October. And I was walking, I was walking with the two, uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying last name. <laughs> Uh, the, the two twins or whatever, the girls. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I'm walking with all these people because again, we used to walk in big groups to go to Stony Island. And then right before the, between the YMCA and the block after the viaduct, um, we see like a couple of guys walk up and they're already beating up. And they're, they punch him or whatever. And one of them literally picks him up and like slams him into like the bushes. Oh. So they like take his book bag and then they run off. The sad thing is, this hasn't become like an epidemic or anything like that to where we know like we're targets now. This is like the first thing. And just the messed up mentality of people and stuff like that. Not to say anything on them or anything like that, but started laughing. Like they saw him get thrown and stuff like that. They started laughing or whatever. And I'm just kind of like confused, like, wait, what the hell? What's going on? Because honestly, I don't think I've ever seen anybody get jumped before this. I think this is my first time again. I was, quote unquote, somewhat sheltered. So I was just like, wait, what's going on? Who are these Who are these people? They don't go to our school. Like, I'm literally like, what? I've never seen this before. What is going on? Yeah. They're laughing. And then the people just like run past us. So then we, honestly, like, we weren't on BS. Like, we were like, all right, we're going to chase after them. But I, I can't fully say that, like, we didn't run our hardest. We weren't, like, really like, oh, go after them like it was ours. Because, again, I mean, just being frank, you know, we just found out this is 20, 2006. You know, PC culture wasn't a thing. We 14. We just found out he was gay. We didn't, weren't, like, homophobic or anything like that. But we weren't like, oh, let's go fight for this gay kid's bag, you know, just being frank, you know what I mean? 14 year old, 2006. So, um, but again, we did actually try. We didn't just say, oh, F you, that's your problem. We did run after them, but we, we didn't run like 5 million blocks or anything like that. Um, so that was the first time someone got like, you know, jumped and robbed or anything like that. And I saw it and it was from the person that did it and another kid, they didn't acknowledge each other. They didn't say anything or anything like that. But I ended up finding out because what's really crazy is I ended up getting robbed from my laptop maybe like a month later. And the person that robbed me from my laptop was other and like one of his friends or something like that. So um, long story short, what happened with me was um, normally, like I said, I walk in groups. I normally walk with. But. Um. This day, they were like lollygagging. They were like, oh, we're going to go do this or we're going to go to this store at the gas station or do something like this. And I was kind of just like, um, I, I don't uh, want to go there. I, want, I just want to go straight home today. So I'm like, I'm just going to go walk by myself. You know, I'll be all right. I'm just quick. It was like a Friday, I think, when we used to get out at like 2 on Fridays or like 1.30 or something like that. Because Monday through Thursday, we got out at five, but on yeah. Fridays, we got out early. So it was actually light out. I'm like, I'm just going to make it quick. 
go straight to the bus stop and go home. So I walk towards the bus stop or whatever. And then as soon as I get to the, the overpass, viaduct, whatever you call it, where the metro is, mm-hmm. um, I'm under it. And there are two guys behind me about a half a block behind. And they go, hey, yo, check it out. And again, I may not be super street smart at this point, but I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? Like I, I've been around, you know, enough to where I know that means, hey, we, we're on BS. So I'm like, all right, I don't even give them a chance. Like I, I, I instantly start running or whatever because uh, is right in front of me. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna run up to these guys are about to try to jump me. I need your help, help me fight. Like word for word, I specifically remember that. These guys are about to jump me, I need your help, help me fight. So by the time I finish that sentence, they're right up on us already. So they literally go, oh, so you about to help him? So then he goes, nope, and walks right off. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, all right. And then they both like surround me. And we're like at the edge of the overpass, but we're right there. So um, uh, they were like, uh, they was like, all right. They was like, give me, give, give me that laptop. So these are grown men. They're both like 17, 18 years old. I'm 14. This is November. I haven't even turned 15 yet. So I'm just like, bro, what? I'm surrounded by them. I'm just like, all right, man, here. Like, I'm not about to get jumped under this overpass. Nobody can see me. Whatever. They're going to take it regardless, whether they beat the shit out of me to take it or they just take it. You know what I mean? They're getting it from me and there's nobody over here that can help me. So I was just like, all right. Um, I handed it over to him or whatever. And also for the record, I'm not six, seven yet at this point either. So it's like, <laughs> come on, bro. And I've always been skinny. So whatever. whatever. So I, I just was like, all right, here, I gave it to him or whatever. And then they ran off. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the end of that. Except like, I ended up asking, like, I think maybe like two or three days later, uh, like I went up to like, Hey, like, uh, I felt like somebody told me like the people that you know been robbing you because at that point I didn't know that it was his brother that that was your brother they've been telling me that the guy that robbed me was your brother I'm not on BS I'm not snitching I'm not gonna tell anybody or anything I just want my laptop back could you you know if that's your brother could you give me my laptop back that ain't my effing brother why would you ever accuse me of that woo so he blew up guilty as charged you know and pretty much we weren't friends anymore after that it went from we walk together, we hang out every single day, all the time, so now we aren't friends anymore. And he got on BS, and we almost got into like fights like two or three different times in the lunchroom during lunchtime, because again, no supervision, nobody around to stop anything or do anything. No one was but in it, the lunchroom? Uh, during uh, snack time. <sighs> nope. During snack time, there would be nobody down there <laughs> at all. We could do whatever we want to do at snack time in the lunchroom. So it was kind of like, or even the, the the epic, I don't know if you remember the food fights, like those ridiculous food fights. I heard that about them. I was like, never, never down there, but. Oh, yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's that's the trauma of the, the robbing. I mean, it, it started to get a lot worse. Um, I know Big was robbed at gunpoint. I know Matt was robbed at gunpoint. Um I think a girl, it was one girl that was robbed at gunpoint. I can't remember. Um, but it, it, it was just, it, at that point, it became an epidemic. I believe I was like third. I was like one of the first people to get robbed. And then right after that, it was, uh, I keep saying epidemic. Yeah, epidemic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was just, 
I don't know. We were targets. And then after that, like the talent show actually was October as well. October, I believe like 20, it was, oh, it was in February. I don't know. I might be getting my dates wrong. Let me not use the dates. But we had a talent show. It might've been for Martin Luther King Day or something like that. But we had a talent show around that time. And I don't know if you remember this or if you were there that night, but somebody from outside said something to me. And when they said something, they called her a, a bitch or whatever. And when they called her that, the men in our school weren't standing for that. So basically they were like, all right, we're going to fight outside. So I remember like went out and they were fighting outside. It stopped. And then they called like reinforcements and they came back. So then everybody, like few people came outside and it was like this, like, 10 on 10 fight outside of school with the University of Chicago police literally sitting in their cars watching the fight. Literally fighting somebody on top of their hood. They never got out of their car. They never stopped to help or anything. Half the people working at our school were parent volunteers who had no kind of training to uh, uh, de-escalate or anything. You know what I mean? So it was just like, it was just a free-for-all. Nobody stopped it. I had never seen anything like that. And after that happened, um, I remember, like, just being honest, like, okay, like, me and somebody else, like, an escort, like, we had to, like, walk through side streets and, like, literally, like, almost run, kind of, like, jog to get to the bus stop. And, like, he waited with us to, like, make sure we were safe or whatever. Because, like, again, it was, like, people, like, circling and running around the areas or whatever, like, looking, you know, for people from our school just coming from that. And, you know, we not a part of our life. We didn't gangbang at that time. You know what I mean? So he was like, all right, I want to make sure y'all, you know, y'all get back safe and stuff like that. Um, So after that, I think that's when it became extremely apparent that the school couldn't keep us safe and that they didn't know what they were doing. And literally, I don't know if that caused it or what. I can't really remember. But after that, it became a thing. I, I think that is. I think that day, we. I don't, again, I don't even think teachers know, but we were known as like, the Mo School, BPSN, which is one of the gangs. We were known as that pretty much the entire time I was there because of that night, because though they were all Mo's BPSN. So because of that and because of that big fight and stuff, our school got that shadow over it, which makes horrible because everybody on Cottage is the opposite. They're GDs. Everybody on 64th up, they're all GDs. You know what I mean? Most of the kids in Wadsworth also opposite? Uh, yeah, the kids in Wadsworth were also GD. So literally everybody like was just like, oh, you're a male from that school? We're, you're instantly an op. You're the opposition. You're an enemy now. Like that was like just set on us, yeah. especially freshman year because of that day. So after that happened, literally, I promise you, I specifically remember going to the third floor going to the window that looked out over that little triangle that we have and everything like that. And it wouldn't just be me. It would be a couple other people. And we would look out to see who the hell was up there to jump us today, who was up there to come fight us and stuff like that when we would get out of school every day. So, um, yeah, it would would randomly be people and things like that. I've had people like I got into an argument with a girl, um, maybe like my sophomore or junior year. And she called people up there to come jump me and stuff. Thankfully, she didn't even tell me. So I, I was already gone by the time they got up there. But like people told me the next day, like, hey, 
there's three guys up here looking for you, you know, like that kind of thing. And yeah, I, re- I do remember hearing stuff like that several times where it was like, oh, so-and-so said this. And so they called, you know, all their mm-hmm. people who are coming to take care of it. And, and that really, they really would come up there all the time. And we had nobody who protect us ever. Like it was, I was 14 having to, you know, 15 having to figure out, okay, how am I going to get home safely today and stuff like that. And then the next day I come into school, people are sitting there, oh, your belt's a little bit too bright. It's a little too light of a shade of a brown. Are you serious? I want to slap you. Like, like what? (laughs) Are you serious? So that kind of, I really think, and I promise you, I came from like the goody two shoes. I really think that like ate away at me to where it was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, y'all can't keep us safe. Y'all can't even teach us properly half the time because we don't even have the stuff that we need, you know, to successfully be taught is just like, get, get out of my face. Like, this yeah. doesn't make sense. And then, you know, you have the few teachers like you that care and stuff like that. But then you have other teachers that don't, you know what I mean? That are just like, I'm not going to argue with these kids or they are going to argue with these kids for the whole time. <laughs> so it's just like, what was the point of anything? Miss, Miss, uh, I, I guess we're again supposed to use name, but you can't out. Whatever would do that specific, she would stop class to on speakerphone call call you their parents, call students' oh. parents in front of the whole class, and we're waiting here. Did it one time, <laughs> and he gave her a piece of <laughs> a piece of places number, so she <laughs> does this in front of the whole class. And they go, "Hi, Giordano's." <laughs> in front of the whole class, she's looking stupid, you know, pissed off. And she would do it all the time because she couldn't claim the respect of her class. But I'm like, doing stuff like that, you know, isn't going to get the respect of your class. You know, you're doing the exact opposite. You're adding more fuel to the fire. Now we have more ammo, you know, to use against you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, just just stuff like that. Do you think, I mean, I just, it just makes me wonder, like, did the admin and like, did they really not know or did they just like not have a clue on how, like, I don't know. It just seems like they should have done more. <laughs> so that, when it comes to that, in all honesty, I honestly like think back and have to really look at the individuals actually present. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And when I actually think about the people, there weren't too many people in the, I feel like in between age or just like from the neighborhood or anything, you know what I mean? Local enough that can fully understand and actually advocate for us. Like, no, we need serious help. You don't know what these kids are going through. Like when I'm serious, sitting there, think about it. Who would that person be? Mr. No, you know what I mean? He licks his lips, get in his car and drives off. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what he does. Mr. Like, no, there was nobody there what our principal she's not gonna she had no idea you know what i mean there was nobody to know you know so it was just like that that doesn't excuse it that doesn't make it okay or anything like that but in all honesty i don't know who was there or who actually was capable enough to like be like i realize what's going on and i'm gonna stop it and do something about it or anything like that um yeah i don't know yeah. So then it, it like makes me think then of 
the university and who decided to put the school there and who decided who's going to run it without taking into account like the actual community and the needs of the community and kids that would be going there. Like, it seems like there was little to no thought given into the actual experience that you would have not only in school, but like getting to and getting to and from school, like that's part of your experience. And if that's not safe, how are you going to be able to be present to learn if you're worried the whole time about whether or not you're going to be able to get home safe? Well, um, no, I, I definitely will put 90% of the blame on them from the start. You know what I mean? Because who the hell put Ms. in charge of the goddamn school? Like that to me, like I, when I saw her and met her at first, like again, even as like a 14 year old coming from eighth grade, I was like, she's our principal in this school, in this area over a bunch of black kids. Like, yeah. are you serious? Like just being honest, like we can't just neglect over that fact. We didn't get our first white kid till sophomore year. You know and what I mean? were just two, right, brother and Yeah, there was just two. Yeah. We, so, what? Are you serious? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. It just, yeah. I, I have no idea. And she wasn't, and she would just sit in her office and kind of pick students that she would want around her and talk to. She didn't deal with any of the other kids. She didn't have that kind of, like, tough as nail mentality because a lot of the schools that I know where they had bad kids the principal would go deal with the principal knew them on a personal basis and would talk to them and deal with them. You know what I mean? And she shied away from things like that as well as the assistant principal, you know? So, um, I don't know. It was, it's just, I, I just don't understand how it was allowed and how it was set up into, to become a thing yeah. in, in the first place and allowed to continue for so long to where people were just like, Oh, it's still not working? Okay, <laughs> try this, come back in a year and tell me how it did. Mm. Oh, that didn't work either? Okay, well, I have some other ideas. Here's one. If that doesn't work, I've got more for you. So just come back in another year. We'll see. That literally is how I believe they did every single year. It was just like, oh, all right, we're going to come up with some more BS, try it out, and then come back. It's like nobody really sat down intelligently and thought. Let's think about the bad, <laughs> the cons of doing this. Like, even one I did with that junior year with the damn white shirts. <laughs> Who? I'm sorry for cursing again. I the fuck thought of that idea? Who the fuck thought of? Who? who what? What? The only, the only, the only pro from that is a uh, only... I'm so sorry. I just get frustrated. You do not need to apologize. So, so rattled and frustrated. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. Oh my God. Like, why did y'all do this to us? <laughs> we can stop anytime if you need to just no, not talk about this. It's fine. it's fine. Oh my God. But like, I literally only see the only like realistic conclusion of doing that is we want to make the kids that don't have enough credit, a hundred percent enough credits is feel shitty. But literally it was just like, if you pass every single class all the way up to here, never in the station, anything, then only then can you get a white shirt, which was only at, I believe when they first started, that was like 40% of the student population of my class. Yeah. Why would you, what? <laughs> I, 
I totally, I mean, that was, that was, right. That was after the switch. I think so. Cause I, I think it was only there like a year and a half. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah. I mean, my interpretation of him in general and his quote unquote leadership style was shame and intimidation and like that. So that was a form of shaming those of you that didn't earn it. I mean, my guess is he didn't think of it that way. He thought it would maybe be motivation or something like make you want to, to get the shirt. And so that's gonna, that's, what's gonna make you get to work and fall in line. But, um, I think it, a lot of what he did to teachers and to students was shaming and like, that's not motivating for anybody. No, at all. And it's specifically not for people that have been already shamed their entire lives and things like that. Like a large majority of our kids were impoverished. Yeah. So why would you think shame is a tool to use on these kids? Like, you see that literally they do every single thing to try to glow themselves up and make themselves look, you know, to feel good about themselves. And then you use shame. Yeah. It, it just, I don't know. But for me personally, that literally did the exact opposite because my grades weren't that bad when I got to junior year. I think I had, I think I had maybe two eyes when I got to my junior year. I th- I'm pretty sure I only had two. Everything else was A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. So I was doing pretty okay. I was still on track. I could have made up those two eyes easily. But that shame and then that thought and stuff like that, that's when I started getting in more trouble. You know what I mean? And my grades started slipping and stuff like that. And then I specifically remember uh, we ended up having a conversation. So I don't know who all was in this meeting, how they decided to put in there. But it was just like a kind of like an on track, like an expectations meeting or something like that, where they pick like, I don't know how they chose us, but they had like a small group of kids. It was maybe like 12 of us, 15. They put us in a classroom with uh, one of the counselors. I, I'm not going to say her name because I can't even remember it. Um, <laughs> But she was she was the nicer one, the one that everybody loves, you know, the soul or Miss AKA or whatever. So um, she again, everybody's like she's super nice and she's always like caring and stuff like that. But I swear to God, this was when my like college dreams like were done, were killed. I, I will never forget it. We were talking about it, and she kind of asked us like, "Hey, where do we want to go?" And like this meeting is to kind of reel in your expectations. So that you know, you know, realistically what to shoot for. And so that, hey, we're not like wasting our time and that we can put like our energy into the right places, basically. Oh, my God. So basically, she was just like, uh, she kind of like asked us, like, what schools we wanted us to go to or whatever. And I told her, like, I wanted my dream school was Hampton University. I always wanted to go to Hampton. HBCU is one of the best. It's in Virginia, right off of the beach. And they had a super high... Uh, uh, female to male student ratio. <laughs> I was just like, oh, there's so many women there. It's just going to be great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I told her that. And she was just like, well, this is how many people they accept per year. You know, this is like, you know, their qualifications 
and what they realistically accept. And this is what they're looking for and astringent and stuff like that. Do you think you meet those qualifications? What are you doing right now? And stuff like that. And it was basically to, you know, try to be real about our college expectations. And again, at this point, I didn't mess up enough to where I couldn't go. If I did well, I got all A's and B's or changed the entire things around. If I was actually motivated in a positive way, I could have possibly still gotten in. But after this, I was just like, oh, well, what's the point? You know, like that's, I'm I'm already going to fail. I'm already not going to get it. And honestly, now that I think about it, this might have been the group of kids that didn't have the white shirts. And that might have been how they picked it up. Uh, picked us out. It might have been the kids that don't have white shirts. So double whammy um, of shame and then lowering your expectations. Yeah. So at that, I was kind of just like, all right, well, what's the point? If I can't go to this that I wanted to go to, I keep that. And, and what, that's another thing that like people don't think you need a real psychologist. The counselors we had first off were the worst ever. I don't know who, I'm not going to go into that. But anyway, you need somebody with real psychology or just therapy or social skills or something for problematic schools, uh, schools, students that have trauma. We had trauma before we came to that school. Yeah. 90% of the kids that came to that school have already been traumatized. So then you put them in a traumatic situation with zero reprieve. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do you expect? Like, what do you guys really want to try to, you know, uh, any of these situations? So I don't know what could have been done to, like, really help us, you know, like, in, like after the fact. You know, beforehand, yeah, so much stuff should have been done. But, like, after the train started rolling and things like that, I don't necessarily know like who or what, when they could have said it, but like the outside psychology of just like me personally, I can say I can be candid. I had already lived with, you have to lower your expectations. You aren't good enough for you. You're not going to get the best of this. You're not going to get the, I grew up super poor. I've been to the point where I hadn't had lights. I've been not just a day or two. I've gone a month without electricity before i've gone to the where we had to put our food in neighbors fridges you don't know you know what i mean the shame yeah. and degradation of having to go to your neighbor like hey can we eat our dinner tonight you know what i mean yeah. stuff like that people don't or we didn't have food things like that or just people forget i remember six seven years old that young my mother and grandmother at the table scraping together change to figure out how we're going to pay for dinner and stuff like that People don't understand, you know what I mean, outside looking. I don't think, you know what I mean, outside came from stuff like that, from what I know. You know, he's Black, but he's not coming from what we came from and understanding that. So to put some shame on somebody like me, it's like, motherfucker, I have all the fucking shame. Like, what do you mean? Do Do you really think I need more? Like, it doesn't, it just doesn't equate. So again, to even go further than that, like I was saying with the, the expectation of that is telling me I'm not good enough and I can't get this and you're not going to make that. Like, gee, I've already been told that my whole life. I don't need that shit from you too. You know what I mean? Like I've already been there. So it kind of got to the point where it was just like, literally my mentality switched where it was just like, well, basically I'm not good enough for anything. So what is the point? What is the point? I'm not, I'm not. 
I'm just going to keep getting in trouble. I can't do anything right. I'm not doing good enough in school. I don't want to do this. I'm I'm getting literally beat on by my mom at home during these days, which I don't know if y'all had no idea about. My kids in school knew that. They received that. I would literally have scratches on my face sometimes from fights when my mom was at home. And kids would be like, when I met them downtown, it was like, oh, shit, your mom did that again. Because they knew. The school didn't pay enough attention, you know what I mean, to actually acknowledge it and know stuff like that. So it was just like, I don't know, man. And then again, after that, I'm literally getting into physical, it's not even fights, I'm getting beat. You know what I mean? At home, because I, I never touched my mother, ever. I never put a hand on her. I'm getting harmed, abused at home, and then I come into school and somebody's talking to me about a damn demerit. And then Mr. is just like, oh, well, if you don't go to detention, even if you do go to detention, I'm charging you $30 <laughs> because you will pay a babysitter, right? Oh, Jesus. What? Like, like, that's another thing I have to say. Like, just putting, just because we're poor Black students, just be hiring Black people to be in charge of us isn't just a benefit. That's not just going to, you have to put the right kind. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just in general, you have, to, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be, I mean, you need some Black people for sure, but you need people in general that can understand and relate and, and, and have the patience, you know, to deal with us. And nobody freshman year was qualified to do that. Yeah. Nobody. There was not once. And we thought Mr. was that. But I mean, first off, the major thing was the age gap. The age gap, for one, Mr. was like 45, I think, or some, around that age in his late 40s or something like that around that time. So he didn't, you know what I mean, to get that with us. And I don't think there was anybody, anybody black, young, male especially, you know, that could help us or, or, or deal with us or anything like that. So. Yeah. I think he would have thought he was that person. <laughs> no, not at all. He was so far from, I, I could have told you then as a 14 year old, he was not, <laughs> you know, our, our kind of people that could really recognize what we were or anything like that. So. Yeah. Was, was Mr. Helpful when he was there? So, Mr. was, I can honestly say, extremely helpful when we were there. He was really helpful. He talked a lot. I feel like he- was he, a therapist, uh, a psychologist. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think he was able to like understand and things like that. But I think he was one person. He was one man. And it was limitations to his role and things like that, to how far he could help us. And it was kind of like, by the time you already got to him, you know what I mean? You were already in trouble. It was already, everything was already in motion. So, and then it wasn't like, also he had time to like, hey, Aaron, come sit on my couch at two o'clock after lunch. You know what I mean? It wasn't that, you yeah. know, it was like, oh, you've been acting up because of the trauma, everything that's going on. Now you come in here and kind of tell me about it. And it's also like, well, you know, I only can sit in here with you for 30 minutes, you know, today, and I'm not going to be able to see you tomorrow and the day after the day after. So, Nothing consistent, yeah. Nothing. Just tell me about it. I can tell you everybody deals with their own things, you know, and I hope you can not let that affect you in school. That pretty much was that. I grew I grew because I got in a lot of trouble around that time. I, I developed a really uh, a, a, a rapport with uh, Mrs. for 
sure to where I feel like we had a more in-depth relationship than most people. Um, I remember specifically when Marcus passed away, um, I was having a really hard time. Uh, I was I actually like, was like going off on, uh, cause she had like came in, uh, cause she didn't attend our school anymore. Actually, I think, yeah, no, I mean, she already graduated. So um, she had came with whatever. And uh, she was like, all like done up. She had like her shades on and like her purse and like, she didn't do anything wrong. I can say out now, but like, I felt at the time that she was like making it about her and was like, hey, look at me and things like that. So I like started cursing and going off because I was grieving. And he like literally, he took me and over to Robust like on like during the school day. He was like, you know what? I'm just going to take you guys like forget it. You know, I don't care. I'm going to take y'all over there, sit down. We're going to take a break. I'm going to buy y'all like a little snack or like a coffee, whatever y'all want. And we're just going to talk. And then he, he got real candy. He gave us like this little story about like, I used to smoke weed in college and stuff like that, you know, and uh, it was real cool. And I really appreciate, I'll never forget that, you know, obviously, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, that was 10 years ago and uh, yeah, stuff like that. So I, he definitely did help. Um, and even just kind of like, I, I, I can honestly say like when I graduated, I, I attributed a lot of that to him. I don't think, I would have made it out of UCW without Mr. being that buffer between me and the administration and things like that, actually advocating for me. He was the person to actually be there and actually fully talk and understand and say, because there was a lot of people that would talk to us and stuff like that. But honestly, a a lot of it was gossiping going on to that. And I didn't really want to touch on that, but I'm going to save that for after this to just go back to the the social workers or whatever they were called. Um, but yeah, so he was the only person that actually cared and actually had the, I feel like the real skills to deal with and, and kind of like de-escalate the outside problems. Not, oh, I'm in her face and she was talking to me and woo, not, you know, bickering and stupid fighting like that. Yeah. But like actually talk to us to like, okay, why do you feel you need to act this way and behave this way? Why do you feel you need to be, you know, the loudest or the angriest or to fight or to do this or anything like that? And then he would, you know, kind of make us look inside, introspective and and kind of try to figure that out. Um, So, yeah, I I would definitely give him a large part of that. The only thing I would say, but I mean, he doesn't have to, but it did personally hurt me a little bit is that once we graduated and he left, like that was it. Like, it was completely just, like, and that's everybody. Like, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, the, the football coach or whatever that became the dean, he literally, like, it was to the point where we were going to his house after school, literally, like, play games and stuff like that. We had yeah. dinner with him and his wife. Like, this is, like, multiple times during the week. Like, we, I honestly felt like it was, like, a small, like, second family, me uh, uh, camp or whatever. So mm-hmm. I felt like it was small family. We would do that, things like that. Once I graduated, sure. Hmm. Nothing, nothing. And my, my issue with that is y'all understood that we were a bunch of young black men, young black kids, teens, men, whatever, without any male influence, supervision or anything. I don't know how my dad wrote. So I felt like that's always why he was just like, all right, you know, I'm going to try to be that man, that staple, be that mentor in your life and things like that. And we respected the hell out of Kemp. I honestly can't think of any male that I respected, you know, like 
through and through as much as we did with Kim because he never like he gave us respect. You know what I mean? He would let us do what we wanted to do. But when he soon as it got a little bit, it stopped. And it was just like, you know how we were, you know how wild kids would get. But it was just like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, Kim. You know what I mean? It was just like no matter what, we had to with him. But when we, you know, when we got done, it was just like, all right, that's it. You guys are on your own. And I'm just like, uh, I'm only 19. Right. <laughs> I'm going to college, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I still didn't, I, my dad didn't come back, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And I get, like, there are other kids, and I get, you know what I mean? Like, there are other people who you got your own lives and stuff like that, but, like, complete. Like, there is zero communication from Kemp or Mr. Thomas once we left. Um, I, like, Mr. Thomas every blue moon, he'd tell me happy birthday on Facebook, but, like, other than that, it's not. And that, honestly, not Kemp. Kemp, it bothered me a lot back then. Now it doesn't so much. Um, but Mr. Thomas, it, it it always has. It was always just like a little sour, bitter tasting left in my mouth with that. It was just like, I we, we needed a little bit more, especially where I felt like, I don't know, I guess I did feel a little special where it was just like, I get it's a bunch of kids, but like you knew specifically what was going on with me and, and building me up. And I felt like you helped me enough. So still need a little bit more of a push, but you know, I don't hold anything against them or anything like that. But I definitely think uh, you need a Mr. Thomas in those, those multiple, a couple, you know, in those type of situations because he, he really did help me make it out of there. Probably more than a couple. <laughs> especially yeah. when it's set up so poorly. Yeah, I found him really helpful as well from a from a teacher perspective to I know he had a good relationship with us as well and I felt really connected and he helps like keep me involved and let me know like kind of what was going on as things happened and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah, even, it's, even even that like that situation, I can even touch on that, like how that was handled. All they literally made it so they made it very known that we are going to treat you guys like criminals. Like, yeah, what they did was ridiculous because I wasn't there, but I was I was friends with him, which was the new transfer in kid that they ended up jumping. I don't know if you know that's I know the full details of all of that. Long story short, one kid. Had a, a one, somebody from our school, one of the the gamers, one of the most. He has a friend outside of our school that played basketball. That kid tried to steal his basketball, so they beat that kid up. So because they beat that kid up, and he goes to our school, they're like, "Hey, you beat our homie up. Now we about to beat you up." The thing was, it was the new kid on the block, and he was attractive, like. Literally, he I, honestly, like when he first came, we were super close because we were both like super tall. He was like six five, I'm six six. Uh, both attractive, dark skinned kids. Like girls were always like coming up to him, especially because he's the new kid and stuff like that. So yeah. they hated that. They had all the you know attractive girls, all the attractive girls at UCW like the game banks. Mm -hmm. That that was the only way. So they were like, oh well, we're losing some of our girls to this new kid, and he not. Game banging with us, he not one of our people. You're not, you're a problem. So basically, one of their people, one of the lower ranking people, was just like, all right, well, I'm going, you know, show him what's up. I'm going to say something to him, step to him. It was beating that kid up at UCW. Like, that's how the fight started. It was beating him up. 
So the rest of them was like, oh shit, what the fuck? We can't allow that. And started, they, that's when they all jumped him. And then he got expelled out of the school. Like he was kicked out. Everybody else, okay. I mean, I don't think they were should have been expelled, suspended, something like that, figure it out, everything like that. But oh, actually, now, now, okay, now I remember. Was expelled because after he was jumped, he was kind of just like angry, you know, like reasonably so. He was just like angry, like, why did that just happen? I'm in school and I just got jumped, you know what I mean? He was just angry. So he picked up one of the great trash cans and just threw it. I know for a fact he didn't intend to throw it, but it hit me. And that whole thing happened. So now I remember, now I think about it, that's why he got expelled. Oh boy. So, yeah. I I do remember that now. It's crazy how you kind of forget little <laughs> little tidbits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I just all of that though, we were no it was known before that if you had a fight, you were gonna be expelled, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You were gonna be expelled and just treating and and they, then they were calling the police. Not just that, but we're treating they specifically said we're treating it like uh it's a crime and we're going to call the police up in and i remember all of them being walked out in handcuffs that day like they did call the police and they were handcuffed and walked out that day i specifically remember that Mm. and this was just the environment again every day we were put through so even as the kids not involved in that it's just like you still see it as just like why are we being treated this way or the fact that people used to be able to walk into our school freely. Like, literally outside High Park students would come in our building. That happened multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the yeah. The number of things that happened in that building in those years that we were there couldn't even... Wouldn't even be believed. I <laughs> think no. we weren't there. Like, oh my god! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I try to stay on track with it. It's just so much. It's like literally just like, God, I don't. But yeah, um, this was good. Uh, I'm trying to think of other factors that were positive, <laughs> um, especially early on. It's it's so hard. I would say, like, even, like, the security guards to some degree, like Mr. Lawson, you know, uh, we we gave Mr. Lawson a lot of shit. A lot. Yeah. I can't even <laughs> overstate it, you know what I mean? But it, it's two sides to it, because I've seen him run away from where he should have been running into to actually help us out. I've I have seen with my eyes fights and things like that where he would, you know, run away. But then there are other times where like, again, mitigation or just like, you know, every, you know, we used to do the Mr. Lawson, but how you guys doing? Oh yeah. Y'all kids doing real cool. Okay. Like (laughs) that cool, super chill, just like whatever, just always middle mentality we need it sometimes, you know, when I get kicked out of class, him just being nosy and coming up to me. <laughs> hey, what, what happened? Miss, Miss Marson kicked you out of class today? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. 
oh, well, well, you, you ain't had your homework. And just that, oh, having somebody to talk to and get it out. Because yeah. instead of when you come out, no, why the fuck you kick me out of class? I didn't have my stuff. Woo. It was just, he would walk up. By the time you get out, I didn't already talked it out, you know, to somebody that, he's super cool. Why am I going to go? Nobody going to yell at Mr. Lawson like that. Why? You look stupid. You, we all know how Mr. Lawson is. You know what I mean? So to get that out would be super relaxed. And then you calm from him being calm and him just, all right, you know, you just chill out. Stand out here for about 20 minutes, you know. She probably come get you after class, you know. You go to your next class, whatever, whatever. He didn't give you no real advice, you know what I mean? Just <laughs> stand here, 20 minutes from now, you'll be okay. You know what I mean? But just that and having somebody to talk to about what happened and things like that and to be able to cool off somebody separate from yeah. the issue, I feel like would separate a lot of things. And I, I, that another person I feel like behind the scenes, people don't necessarily know. But then on the flip side, I don't remember, we called him Debo, but the big old crazy cop security guard that we had that started aggressively, you know what I mean, going against students and acting like he wanted to fight students and stuff like that. It was it was the two sides of it. But I definitely got to give Mr. Lawson his credit because I feel like he was an underappreciated part that would help us in that. Again, he did a lot of stuff that, again, uh, come on, Mr. Lawson. But yeah. a lot of stuff, it was just like, all right, you know, that, that part actually... You, you need you need people like that and stuff. It, basically, what I'm saying in general is you need a lot more neutral people who don't have any side to it. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to do anything. They'll let you get that out, you know, or present, you know, reasonable solutions to kind of help you calm down that actually makes sense. You know what I mean? Don't tell me, oh, well, if she just cussed you out in that class and you did that and that, maybe you should write her a letter. I'm not going to write her no damn letter. What are you talking? You know what I mean? Like, come on now. Just be reasonable and really think about it in that situation. And then that's what, as far as um, that draws, uh, segues me into the other part I want to talk about of with the social workers, AS13 or whatever it was called. AS3, yeah. AS3. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was supposed to be like a safe haven. That was supposed to be where we could do all of this and where we could go talk and things like that. And it literally was the complete opposite. Like all of us as students knew, all those teachers in there were like the gossip queens and would tell it to other students. They would tell me other students' business. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, and it was it was known and all the time here. So if you know like the people that you're supposed to go and confide in, you literally cannot. You have to hold all of that stuff in. And those were the people that were supposed to be there. That could be like, okay, well, this actually is something that I have to run up the chain. This is something that I do have to, you know, break confidentiality and tell them, hey, students are having sex in this place. Or, hey, kids are getting jumped, you know, because of this. Or, hey, Ashley called up five guys on Aaron today. You know, things yeah. like that where you should actually, they didn't do that. Or, and they student, yeah, I had, I had students come to me to tell me they were pregnant or were cutting themselves or like I had a few different things like that. And I was just like, I am not qualified <laughs> to help mm -hmm. you with this. Like, I want to help you with this, but I don't know how, like, I'm not a social worker. I can be here and listen to you and, and do what I can, but like, I have no training in mm -hmm. this, you know? And, but I would hear the same thing, you know, they, 
they felt safe with me, but not safe with the people who had that training. And so, yeah. And I mean, we can't identify, you know, necessarily the training or the skills or even anything like that. But what we can identify as kids is just personality. Are you nice? Do you listen? Do you care? Are you going to judge me? And things like that. Yeah. You teach math. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, how does that equate to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The two, but people were able to see that and things like, and that's what I think a lot of those teachers, I think a large part of it is because we had a lot of educated and lower middle-class black people, which a lot of people don't understand is that's damn near a separate race. You know what I mean? From poor black people to where they look at us completely different. You know what I mean? They do look down on them, whether they say it or not, whether they want to be the saviors and things like that. They look at us, you know what I mean? Different. They look down on us, whether they're trying to fake bring us up or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, for us to have to have to actually deal, you know, with these problems and these issues and stuff like that, and uh, try to come with them, they're like, like, I don't care. They're negative and, and things like that. They think it's beneath them and it's things that they can't necessarily relate to, and and and. You shouldn't have to, though. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just that being frank, you're a white, you are what, 24 year old little white lady from <laughs> at the time. The suburbs, in, yes. You know, suburbs, you know, mm-hmm. it's poor black kids through this class, and you're just like, what the hell? You know what I mean? It was just like, you know, I felt like we were on Freedom Riders first day of class. I'm like, All right, <laughs> what, you know, what is this? You know, but, um, I don't know. It's 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 really disappointing that the people that have should have been there that should have been able to be like, okay, you know, like we have to, regardless of preconceived notions and things like that, we have to be allies for these kids. And they weren't for so, so, so long. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I have a million stories. I, I could go on all day. I just don't yeah. know what uh, necessarily to put in there. Um, well, I think I think it's interesting and important to recognize, like just the way a school is built and where it's built, and taking into account mm-hmm. the community and you know, getting people to understand that to be part of the conversation and part of the leadership and, and to make sure that you're safe. Like if no kids are going to learn anything, if they're not safe mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, and supports that they can trust like the psychologists and I don't know. I think there's a lot that you've said that's really helpful and like, you know, thinking of teachers who could listen to this and I'm just trying to summarize takeaways <laughs> and feel free to add any others that I'm missing. But, you um, know. I really think, I know it's kind of all over it and again, could do a million more. Um, 
I think the biggest takeaway personally, I would say, is you have to listen to students in more ways than one. Like you can't just like literally listen to just what they say, but you literally have to listen to actions. You have to listen to non-actions, you know what I mean? And things like that. When as a teacher, as a counselor, as a dean and a principal and things like that, specifically in high school, um, you are cultivating a life. People really, I think, um, take that for granted. But me at 29 years of age, I can honestly say a large portion of who I am came from those four years of my life. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just the influence of my classmates, but it was the influence of everybody I was around and how they did or did not help me during that time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, people have to really, really, really decide, like, before and during, like, hey, do I want that responsibility? Do I have the patience and the energy, you know, to really dive into that? And do I care? You know, some people don't care. That's why I'm not a teacher. I mean, not that I don't care, but I don't have the patience. I don't have the energy, yeah. you know, to necessarily do that year in and year out. That's a lot. My grandma was a teacher. I saw how much it is. And then on top of that, like you said, with the administration, you know, beaming down your neck, on top of that, because I've seen, you know, how frustrating, literally, my grandmother every single day would come in yeah. and tell me, you know, about those frustrations and stuff like that. So um, I don't know, because teachers are really pit between two different, you know, sides of it, because the administration, I mean, at the end of the day, they're also a business, too, to some degree as well. Um, but I, I think the teachers... You know, have to, I think when it comes to choosing the bare minimum, give the administration the bare minimum. Like, hey, whatever you can literally skate by and like, just so they don't cuss you out, just do that and nothing else. And then that little bit of extra you got, save that for the kids. I That's agree 100%. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. If you want to see more about the work that I'm doing, you can go to lovemorty.com. Uh, make sure to put in your name to sign up for the newsletter so you'll get all my emails and you won't miss anything. You can also follow me on Instagram at love.morty where you can see what I'm up to and some honest reflections. And if you liked this conversation, please make sure to rate and review. That really helps me reach more people. And see what I can do with this. So thank you again. I will talk to you next time.